We do this every single time. I'm waiting for you. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yes, we are on the air, Father Peter. We're in a mean spirited mood today. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is The Word on the Hill. You're listening to Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter. Are you really starting the You podcast? better believe I am. Dude, literally. So basically, right Father now. Father Peter was literally yelling at me. I mean, so it- I decided to let you all in. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you know. Every single time before the podcast, Scott Powell and I, we're, we're usually like taking a moment to read news and world events. Scott's, Scott does it on Facebook. I do it on Spirit Daily and <laughs> Drudge Report. Basically, this is what I've discovered, everybody. I was looking for the weekly world news. No, yeah, yeah, that's, find it. Dude, this is the thing. is Drudge Report is half conservative news outlet, half weekly world <laughs> news. <laughs> dude, uh, the weekly world news was like my favorite. Dude, oh, yeah. I, I was always so excited for a new copy of weekly world news. My mom would periodically come home from the grocery store and bring me a copy of it with her. No. Yeah, that's what kind of mom I had. Dude, my mom used to shave punk rock into my hair, dude. <laughs> Uh, but she never bought me a copy of Weekly World My News. mom did it regularly. Oh uh, well, you guys, um, welcome to Ordinary Time. Welcome to the, and it's the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is always confusing because we didn't really have a first. John the Baptist. Okay, this is what the thing is: is in the lectionary. Yeah, it says the first Sunday in Ordinary Time, known as the Baptism. But I thought it was its own feast. It's not Ordinary Time yet. I know, and then, but then That's I the know, thing. but they, but they call it that, and then everyone thinks it's Christmas still. I know, it's weird. Well, it's, it's just worth it to celebrate it like that. I woke up at 4 a.m. to take down our Christmas wreath that day. That's really dedicated. That, I, I don't even know why I said that. That's not true. <laughs> what? I didn't. I took it down, but I didn't. We still have we still have our crash scene up. I said, I saw that. I, see, I, seen, I seen that. <laughs> I seen that. I saw that. I, I want to take the lights <laughs> off my house, but it's too icy up there, Father Peter. Dude, you know what? You sound like you're uh, maturing. <laughs> anyway, oh, I do you have any shout outs? Um, because I do, dude. You do, you do, he do. How do you know? We that do. I do, you just told me you did. Did I? Yeah, do you want me to yell at you some more in front of everybody? Yeah, I have, a, I have some shout outs on behalf of our good friend Kat Stoltz. Oh, Kat, to uh, some cats in Cleveland, whoop whoop, which is the city of my birth. Which oh, is a, a thing that few people know about me. I moved when I was two. So it was very dear to me until I was two years old. But we want to give a shout out to Brian Petro, Vicky Pierce, and AJ D'Angelo. And at least one of those three is the seminary. (laughs) So here's to you guys. Here's to Cleveland. And and the one piece of advice I have to you all is this. Don't don't start the car unless you plan to go to Cleveland. We're we're out of control of this podcast. We need to, to, to tighten things up here. That's what I just did. I Thank you for tightening my microphone. Man. Our first reading for the second Sunday in Ordinary Time is coming from the book of Isaiah, in that wonderful chapter 62 of Isaiah, verses 1 through 5. Can I just tell you? Please tell me. I'm totally convinced that we never leave the book of Isaiah for the we, first reading. We're there a lot. We're there yeah. often. Our responsorial psalm yes. is from Psalm 96. Or 95 in the Masoretic text. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's 96. One to two, two to three, seven to eight, eight to nine, nine to ten. That's the one. Those are the ones. <laughs> I don't know what they're organized in because I can never tell. So, And the response itself is coming from verse three, by the way. Thanks for adding that in there. You better believe it. Our second reading is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Dude. All the gifts. 
Dude, all I, of the I gifts. have to say this. Some th of the gifts. This is a real gift to us today. Okay. Very good. Our gospel today <clears throat> is from Juanito. John. The gospel de Juanito. Gospel of John. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You just real The moment you realize that you couldn't count very high in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this gotta is, give up this while is, you're still ahead. Yeah, you know, one of the things about my life is this: is I had <laughs> when I was taking Spanish in seminary, um, I had a I had a really good Spanish accent. I, I can could, see that. I like because this is the thing: is that I, I've I've been doing accents my whole life. I love pe the way people enunciate. You also every mass that you say, you roll your R in the word resurrection. Resurrection, and I can't do it outside of mass. It's it's a special it's a special gift to the word resurrection in mass. That's weird. <laughs> that's that's super duper weird. Is, hey man, that's just how I roll. I love it. I L love everything about you. Literally, that's how I I, I roll, roll. Your R's. <laughs> so you guys, Isaiah, it's a book. It's a book by, about this from this major prophet guy. Well said. Hey, thanks. And you know, it's it's really good. We've never stopped reading it, and this entire time, if you don't know the context of it. Then I'm gonna be. You don't listen they to the podcast. They might be listening for the first time. We might have some oh. new listeners. Okay. So what happens is that um, Isaiah, he uh, there's three, there's two major sections: the books of consolation, <laughs> the desolation. You're, I don't you're know. Steal, I, you're stealing my gig. I know. But go for it. Well, that's because <laughs> let's see if you've learned. It's uh, ironic that you just called everybody out for not being able to articulate Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and uh, now in, in front of ten thousand people, yeah. I get to you, humble myself. Classic. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Dude, okay, so I'm okay, just two gonna, major parts of Isaiah. Well, hold on, before we get oh any further, um, this prod, this podcast today is brought to you by um, Red Bull oh. and Sour Bright Crawlers. I got one of those five-pound bags, and I had to tell Scott that it's not a single serving. <laughs> I've never seen anybody eat more sour bright crawlers in a single sitting. I don't feel good. <laughs> and, and he has a stomach ache. So. And you fed me a Red Bull. And I fed him I a Red Bull. I don't feel good. No, it's, it's, I really don't feel good at yeah, all. Uh, it, this it, is a terrible day for me. Yeah. Okay. So two parts of Isaiah. Ooh. We're in the second part now, which is the book of Consolation. Um, but everything's kind of mixed together, and... Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Isaiah is uh, he is a second temple prophet, right? Uh, first temple. First temple prophet. He's living before the time of the Babylonian exile. That's right. He's probably living around the time of the exile of the northern kingdom. Got it. Because remember, he sees he, he's uh, there when Hezekiah is king, and the Assyrian armies are trying to kind of conquer Jerusalem and come down south, and he witnesses all that. So he's living around the time when the Assyrians are are taking into exile the northern kingdom foretelling the time when the Babylonians will come and take over the southern kingdom, Jerusalem, destroy the temple, all that, and then foretelling even further into the future when they will come out of that exile and mm. God will build them back up and restore them. So the, even thinking about the timeline of Isaiah gets very complicated and kind of confusing. Yeah. So, but but we're in that second part, like you said, the, the book of comfort, the book of consolation. So even though none of it's probably happened yet, this section that our reading this week is looking forward to what it's going to be like when the Israelites have their um, th their glorious return from Babylon, from their exile, and what it's going to look like when God builds them back up. And so I, I was paying attention to <clears throat> the, the line that says, um, 
uh, nor shall nor your land will be called desolate or forsaken. I was paying attention to that too. But you shall be called my delight is in her and your land espoused. Uh-huh. And uh, and so I focused on. Can the, I just put that in, in context really quick? Yeah, yeah. So just just to put that, no, I won't read the whole thing, but just to put that line in context. Yes. What God said. What God says through Isaiah: Nations shall behold your vindication. So again, after you come out of the exile. After God builds you back up, nations will behold your vindication, all the kings, your glory. You shall be called by a new name pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall call, be called my delight and your land will be called espoused. For the Lord delights, delights in you and makes your land his spouse." Is that where you were? Is that where you yeah, were? Yeah, that's you have exa- a different translation. But. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking at, which is interesting because I started in on the word delight. Yeah. My delight is in her. Well, and there's all these juxtapositions going on, right? Going from desolate to delight, yeah. from forsaken to espoused, right? Which is interesting because it's the word thelma, thelema. Delight? Yeah. That's what thelma means? Yeah. Or that's what the the, the name yeah, means, like Thelma and Louise is delight. Really? But it's interesting because a deeper search into is, the word Thelma actually... That is Thelmaful. Thelema, um, okay. Thelmaful, is what one wishes to happen in an objective sense, what is willed. Really? Yeah. So hmm. it's what one, what one wishes to bring about by the activity of others. What one wishes to bring about by the activity of others. Oh, interesting. Yes. So it's, it's like this totally willed, like... It, rejoicing work and a delight. It's really kind of, it's a way more complex word than I was expecting to find. Well, that's interesting because of what it says after that. Um, because what it, what it continues on, it says, as a young man marries a virgin or a, a, a young woman, your builder shall marry you. Now, some translations say your God will marry you. He'll be a spouse to you. But this translation actually says not just your God, but your builder, the workman who yes. is actually building you back up. As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride. So it's an interesting choice of uh, words. Well, well, what's interesting, too, is is the word for um, for uh, espoused. Yeah. This is, uh, and this is actually where, like, I think that a biblical scholar would would have to be able to, like, open this up, somebody who really understands language. But the... Uh, <laughs> if only we knew someone who was a biblical scholar. Hey, hey do you know any good... Do you guys in listening audience, do you know anybody like this? Because yeah. the word is um, uh, oikumene, which means inhabited. Ah. So espoused and inhabited. Interesting. It, it's it's actually, it's a really, it's like way, it's, so it's it's way more complex than hmm. I was even thinking. Like yeah. populated, uh, almost, you could say it populated. Interesting. So Interesting. Uh, the builder is going to populate what he's created. So it, we actually seeing something <clears throat> wider of the nature of creation. Well, here, and, that, and that's actually the, the, one of the big themes that's been running through my head as I'm thinking about the, this, okay. is the theme of creation. Because it, it's not only, and I've you know, read some commentaries and saw some stuff. Um, yes, what, what the go-to thing is that God is going to um, uh, espouse himself. He will marry his people and he will, he will be their spouse and all the nations will see it. But it's not just the people. I mean, it is very clear that it is not just God espousing himself to the people of Israel, but Israel, including the Haaretz, the land itself of Israel, right? The, the non-human pieces. And I'm not trying to get 
you know, new agey or, you know, I mean, Laudato Si, the, the Pope's emphasis on the natural world, the created order, cannot be underemphasized, especially in the Old Testament. The idea that the land itself plays a role in this, the idea that um, we're not talking about environmentalism per se, we're talking about the fact that God created matter and so it it matters. has its own dignity. Yes, it matters. But it has this dignity. It it is it matters. Yes, it's a fundamental piece. It's not an accidental. This isn't as Martin Luther basically said. Uh, the world is not just a stage on which the story of salvation is played out. Right. It is a part of it. God has, has espoused Himself even to His creation, but but not in the sense that creation is now elevated to human status or something like that. Yeah. But the fact that it, it God blessed. Created, blessed, and then redeemed all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, right? Remember that old adage. Yeah, yeah. But he is espousing himself even to the natural created order, which is, I think, leading us up to what's going to happen. So, of course, this is connected in an obvious way to our gospel reading, which is all about the wedding feast at Cana. So there's wedding language in both, right? Obviously. And it's taking us but, to the second read. Well, but he's using matter. Yeah. That's the that's the key. Well, and I actually, like, I'm going to jump for a second just to our Corinthians reading. What? I know. Right. I'm going to jump. The gift of prophecy, because we're going to talk about gifts and we're going to get right. in there. All right. But prophecy, um, you can define it as the act of interpreting divine will or purpose. Say that one more time. The act of, of interpreting inter- divine will. We or should tell purpose. them what the second reading is, real quick. First Corinthians twelve ten. Yeah, which is all about um, the, the the these gifts. It these talks gifts about these the spiritual Spirit. gifts from the Holy Spirit. Some have gifts of healing. Some have mighty deeds. Some have prophecy. Some have tongues. Some have faith. Right. That that's what we're talking about. Just totally. put in the context. And so we we jump back into this this expression about the environmental world, <coughs> and and the prophetic is actually to to call out and to make known the real divine purpose of creation itself. Yes. So like which th- is what? Which is to show forth the splendor of God. Yes, absolutely. And and so but but the the work in which we're undertaking is to actually show how the land is espoused. Yes. To show how that is the, in fact the lanky guys is a prophetic expression really mm. is, is Ooh. And and I was really stoked about the fact that we get to do a little prophecy up in here today. Ooh, boom. Act of prophecy up that's, in here today. That's absolutely right. I mean, really, it's not a... This is where, gosh, culturally, it's a frustrating time to be alive because we want to divide things. We want black and white. We want... Not black and white. We want an either or. We want false dichotomies. And Rather so, than a both and. Yeah. And so, I mean, the culture tells us, no, you can either be concerned about the environment or be pro-life, or you can either be concerned about humans or the natural world. It's not one or the other. It's all of God's glory. Well, that's the problem right now with with the, the political paradigm of which we're, we, we actually live out of a two-party system. Yeah. It, it's never meant to be a two-party system and right. where you just choose your side and then you're yeah. done. It's no. like, no, let's actually debate and encounter truth and right. have a he- like healthy dialogue. I, I had this quote that was given to me um, while I was on the Student Leadership Summit, and it said, when we don't have conflict over ideas, it ferments into conflict over people. Ooh. And that's my goodness. That's the polemics that we're having now. Is that Ooh. as we have a reduct, re- reduced ability to encounter truth, yes. everything just kind of boils down into micro uh, uh, aggressions. <laughs> you know, w- weren't we just talking about microaggressions? Yeah, I, I was okay. reading. Dredge you read me something. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
And um, and so yeah. like so like so now everything just reduces down because because of relativism, everything's boiled down to a personal expression. Yes. So anything that's done is not actually ideas. Yeah. It's it, it's it's only a personal thing because we're we because we as as a culture overall we're just refusing to have a debate about ideas or material. But that that's the thing. We, we even that's a dichotomy because we also want to reduce things away from actual literal material thing you can't be a catholic and not be a materialist right because what it means to be a catholic is to engage in material physical sacraments right we are body and soul it's not just what you're doing even on the level of ideas which again we don't know how to engage those either but even that even if we get that far even that's not enough because god wants to espouse his land and even if you don't if you if you hear us even using the word uh, environmental or, or natural world and stuff, and you're shutting your ears off, don't forget without the natural world, you cannot have the Eucharist. You cannot have baptism. You cannot have confirmation. Those things don't work unless the material, natural world is in proper order. So all of it matters. Jesus's first miracle, his first public sign, doesn't work unless the natural world is in order for him to use towards his glory. Right. Um. It's a, it's a both and. It's in all three, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's spirit, soul, and body. And it's also people, and ideas, and material. Yes. So it's not just humanity. It's not just the ideas. And it's not just the material world. It's all three of those things. That's what the first reading is getting at. That's what God is espousing. All of it. And really what this reading is getting at, and the way it's pointing us toward Christ, is that our expectations for what the Messiah is to do are always way too small. They still are. Our expectations mm. for what we think God can do in right. our lives, in our world, in our society, it's always too small. Because all the Jews were waiting for was a God who would come in and redeem a tiny strip of land the size of Rhode Island and bring it back to political dominance. Mm. God says, no, that's not even close to enough. Right. I'm going to restore the entire created order along with your souls and all the nations around you. I mean, we always think too small, and that's what this is getting at. And that's why the first reading continually is talking not only about Israel, but about the nations, but about the land, but about all of these things. Mm. Um, God's plans are always bigger than we expect they are. And that, I think... Leads us into the psalm. It does lead us into the psalm. Proclaim... Because, oh. because sing to the Lord a new song. Sing a to the Lord song. all the earth. Like like uh, yes. Joseph Pieper's uh, book, uh, Only the Lover Sings. That, that like, in, in fact, this, this... I was about to sing. Come on, sing for me. Only the love I sing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Go for it. laughs> wow, yes. Peeper is rolling over in his grave. Yeah, he is. Peeper's dead, right? Yeah. Okay, he's yeah. rolling over in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was a part too funny. <laughs> Thanks. That, that was really... Oh, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the reality is when you actually take up people, ideas, <coughs> matter, yeah. then it actually leads to song in this engagement of meaning of the world that is surrounding us. And like, how and, can I keep from singing? <laughs> I, I can tell you how you can keep from singing because I'm going to throw some gummy worms at you. That song has been in my head all day. Really? Yeah. Uh, what was the song I was singing earlier? I don't know. Um, oh, I love Joel you song. just the, the way, way you are. But he loves us too much to stay there. <laughs> okay. No, the other thing about this psalm, though, and we've talked about this psalm, I feel like, a lot 
before it pops yeah, yeah. up in the liturgy all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's like it's like Psalm ninety six and Isaiah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, what that's we true. have for the liturgy today. But do you remember the historical context of the psalm when it was used most commonly? It was a dedication of the temple. Yeah, so literally when the Lord is enthroned. So if you think about this, if you think about what Isaiah is is saying is going to happen in the future. It's talking about the Lord being reunited with his people. The psalm is, is reminiscent of this moment when God in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, comes and formally dwells with his people, is enthroned. And now that same psalm is being used to point ahead to a day where not only will God be enthroned among his people, but will actually be espoused to his people. Well, And, and, and this... how does that happen? Well, it's going to happen at a wedding feast in Cana, in Galilee. And and th- and and this expression too, and as we're talking about the environment, the created world, people and ideas, and prophecy in the midst of this, it's like, what are we supposed to do? We're tell his glory among the nations, among all the peoples, his marvelous deeds. Mm. In fact, actually, this psalm is linking this expression of of redemption and espousement of yeah. of delighting of of um, of populating this this reality. Um, in uh, in a glorious way, and which actually is the task of the church to make known His glory. Yes, like to actually like that's why our testimony, our our talk about the sacraments, yeah. our our absurd podcasts and Billy Joel songs. Maybe like, yours is absurd. Whatever, dog, and like. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's actually what this psalm is teaching us to do. Uh, yeah, I was listening. Yeah. I was listening to some absurd rap song uh, that I found on Wired right before the podcast as well. The, yeah, talk to me. Keep so, going. Yeah, is I it, somebody else wanted to talk to you. Too. Well, everybody does. <laughs> so, so like, so as we come together as a as a family across the world, all the earth, blessing His name, proclaiming His glory. Mm-hmm day after days, all yeah. the peoples and his marvelous deeds, it actually, it, it leads us to recognize yes. from this song that those, that those realities and that spirit is going to be poured out in an abundant way. Yeah. Again, our, our expectations are always too small. Always too small. We expect some pouring out. We expect some enthronement. We expect some espousing, but not what God is actually going to do. Yeah. Which is why, like, I just keep telling people, I say, you know, it's not a failure of discipline, it's a failure of imagination. And that's absolutely it. Like we're That's just, absolutely it. I'm, uh, you know, like I was just imagining this morning how, with modern technology, how beautiful of a church I could build. Yeah, and 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 what used to take two hundred years, I bet you I could accomplish in in maybe three years. Yeah, well, that's a good challenge. I'd like to see it. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. It would take a lot of money if anybody yeah. got some million, million. I'm gonna get the billions. I'm gonna get that billion dollars from a. From the oh, power the, the power jack, Paul. The power jack. Bot. Dude, the, the jack power bot. <laughs> Powerball, 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 Powerball. Dude, a power jack is when they like come up to you and they say, give me all your money. When like, you hear the Powerball being advertised, does it go through your head? The pow, pow, Powerballs, pow, pow, power wheels, power wheels. Pow, pow, no, power wheels. Power you know those wheels. commercials? Yeah, totally. I love That's it. what runs through my I head. I still want a power wheel. Yeah, you bet you do. Which is sick because I have my own power wheels. Oh, yeah, you do. You have your whole fleet out there. Yeah. Let's hey, yeah. let's go so, to the 
King. Oh, let's go into uh, Corinthians. Well, we already talked about Corinthians a little bit, but but one thing just to two two things to point out. I said one thing about it. You said I, I'm. It's a hard one to connect. To be honest with you, I'll I'll lay my cards on the table. I think it's a little hard. Do you see how easily I was connecting you know, it? Yes, yes. Because like, look, we have mighty right. deeds. We even have the yeah. we proclaim his marvelous deeds in the Psalm. Mighty deeds is this gift of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. We've got prophecy is what we're doing over here. What do we got? Faith. That's not found anywhere around here. Um. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. This is talking about all these gifts, right? Yeah. Well, what does gift mean in Greek? Do you remember? Uh, gift uh, is uh, charism. A gift. I don't know. Yeah. Charis is the Greek word for gift, which means charism, which means grace. Literally, that's the proper translation. So when oh. we call them gifts, it, it's it's almost misleading. What it's saying there's different kinds of spiritual graces. And by the way. Um, Father Peter ate a bunch of mussels and threw them up. <laughs> Dude, Sorry, that's a <laughs> that's a story for another day. I mean, it's kind of a gift. There's a whole another there's a whole another list of of <laughs> graces or gifts in uh, Romans chapter twelve, which is funny. I mean, okay, okay. Here's the thing: I okay. read a list like this, and I'm like, this is a very depressing list. Here's God's gifts: it's prophecy, it's speaking in tongues, it's healing people. Right, it's all things that you're like, I don't have any of those things. But then you read it, you compare it to like Romans 12, which talks about much more ordinary things like generosity and works of mercy and, yeah, office administration, (laughs) filing systems. But, you know, just ordinary stuff. Um, Don't be misled to think that these are the only graces that God pours out and the only sign of being holy is this stuff. God, um, these are extraordinary graces. Well, dude, I want to, Alan. I want to talk to you about this all for right, a second right, here, because like, because like, what is a gift of healing? Does that mean that you're like laying hands and people are throwing their crutches aside? That's how I always think of it, but I don't know. Maybe that's limiting it. Well, on that note, what is the gift of tongues? Uh, the glossolalia. Are you w- sure? Well, this is the thing: is that there's two. There's there there. It's a matched pair. Okay. You have you have tongues and interpretation of tongues. And and I actually but think what are tongues? They're languages. They're they're like that's the thing. And what then, do we think of when we read something like this and we hear about the gift of tongues? Um, like what do most people think of? Um, uh, yeah, gobbledygook. <laughs> the, or or what appear what what sounds like. And I I believe that there is such thing as the gift of tongues in the way that you know might sound incoherent or I, I think that's possible. But I also know that elsewhere in the Bible, when tongues are mentioned in the New Testament, you have like the apostles speaking to the crowds gathered in their different languages. That's called speaking in different tongues. So what is the gift of tongues? Well, I think it's perhaps being able to speak to different people in different ways, in ways that make sense. I mean, being a good speaker could be a gift of tongues, you know? Being a, a brilliant evangelist or a homilist, right? That could be a gift of tongues. Hey, thanks. Properly, properly speaking, because that's how the it's used elsewhere, right? Yeah. So, I mean, some of these, I think, are slightly more accessible than they appear, Perhaps. Well, well I, and I think that this it says the difference between um, an interpretation of tongues. Yeah, that's yeah. important. Ministries. So it says they're different forms of service. Verse five, which is which is ministry uh, diakonon. Um, so there's different ministries of service. Yeah. So like so there's a service of tongues. Like there and, and like, but then there's also what he would call a um, uh, ergamenon, uh, ener- energimation, which is like energy. Which would be an activity. So you have mighty activity. <laughs> oh my gosh, your stomach looks like you've been eating all of these things. 
Thanks for, dude, you guys have no idea. We really are fueled on Red Bull and, and gummy worms right now. And you've probably felt this the through worst. this whole bizarre. We're, we're so sorry. Everyone. We're so sorry. And thanks for bringing up the muscles. <laughs> Father Peter, before the podcast, just looked at me. He's like, so it threw up a whole bunch of muscles recently. I, I think I said, I think I had ate too many muscles. And I yacked them, okay? <laughs> that's fair. That Hearing about muscles makes me want to yak. Yeah. But, but that's neither here nor there. So I think that, that if you look at the, the charisms of service <clears throat> and uh, mighty activity, I actually can actually help you understand. Because there's a service of healing as well. I'm, I'm using my hands a to lot. demonstrate him. So Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So there you no, go. No, I'm with you. But, I'm with you. But one in the same spirit gives you everything that's good. That's all that we need to know. Well, and, and how does this tie together? I mean, we're talking about... We're talking about physical, material things. We're talking about ideas. We're talking about communicative things. We're talking about all of it. This is Ooh, these are all nice encompassing. It. And I, I don't think that's stretching it too far. No, no. But I'm no. trying to think of how this applies directly to those readings. And I'm seeing lots of these things that are and one of them is not enough, or just one kind is not enough. And even for the New Testament, even this list is not enough as far as the gifts that God wants to pour out and the graces that He wants to give. Because again, we tend to think too small. And, that's, and, he, and James Bond agrees because the world is not enough. Mm, <laughs> distributing them individually to each person as he wishes, wishes. And it ends, I like that the way this passage ends. How does God decide who gets what? Well, he does whatever he wants to. And I like that. You know, yeah. that's comforting to me. Because God distributes all his gifts as wishes, as, as he wishes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So that takes us to the gospel. Okay. Isn't it weird... <laughs> Well, okay, think about this. So here's God. So there's God, right? Hi, God. God's born in utter humility, right? This is what we just celebrated. And I mean, I don't know. We just forget. It's so easy to forget that the stable, that the manger was actually humble because we have these beautiful creches that we have in our nativity scenes and our manger scenes. And we're just so used to the image that we forget. I always I always run the risk of trying to overemphasize things to a to to a fault but i mean do we think about the fact that we're if we're in the manger if we're in this animal manger it's surrounded by animal poop we're surrounded by droppings we're surrounded by dirtiness it probably stinks it smells like this is not this glorious environment or this nice sanitized thing that we put in our on our mantles in our houses right this is a pretty dingy embarrassing humble place i mean imagine mary's horror as these incredibly wealthy wise men from a foreign country come with their gold and their camels, and there's there's animal poop all around the manger. She's well, like, dude, "Watch your step." I think guys. you're disc- I think you're discounting Joseph a little bit, dude. Because I know, I know, I know. If you cleaned it up, I would tell you if if Annie was gonna have a baby, you would clean up like you ain't ever cleaned I'm up. I'm just in trying your life. to get at the fact of the the, 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 the humility. true humility. Yes, I, so this is I what totally agree. And so this is what we've just experienced in the Christmas season, and now. Again, you're God. You're growing up. He's a, a man. He's already called some disciples to come and begin to follow him. Mm-hmm. And now what's he going to do for his per- first public mirror? I mean, his first sign. You're God. You can do anything. You could raise somebody from the dead. You could heal somebody who's sick. He gives a, some extra wine at a party. And just, isn't it? Like, why did about, you choose about, that as Around 120 sign? to 180 gallons, really. Granted, it's a lot of wine. I'm not trying to... I mean, yeah, yeah, but but some extra <coughs> wine at a party. I know, I agree. It's But he could have opened the skies, and, you know, he could have done anything. You know, look at Moses on Mount Sinai with the thunder and lightning and fire coming from the sky. Like, that's that's a sign. Jesus is at a party. They run out of their wine. I'll give you some more. 
And you're like, okay, I, I'm trying to drag with you here. But this is the beauty of the, the juxtaposition of what we're saying with the first reading, that we always think way too small. But we also, the juxtaposition that this understanding that God doesn't really care about the ordinary. God profoundly cares about the ordinary. He cares about the material world. He cares about the grass. He cares about your life. He cares about your ridiculous hair. He cares about all the mundane things of our life, though. He does. And that's why did he choose this as the first sign? Number one, because he's trying to demonstrate what this marriage looks like, that this is a shared life. This is celebratory. This is him fulfilling that first reading, but also in its glorious ordinariness. And there's just something so so beautiful about that. It's just so, it's so material. And I have more to say about that. But does that, does that make any sense? It does. And uh, like, I actually think that... And it's not that it's ordinary. I mean, this is still a miracle. I'm trying to downplay. But at the same time, if you're a god, you could do anything. Right. But he chooses to enter into the lives of two people who are struggling. And that's exactly why I think that the gift of prophecy is way more abundant than we would actually ever like mm. to, to admit. And and the gift of people who are actually able to interpret what's happening. Yeah. And Which is what to, Mary is doing, really. What Mary's doing, and then ultimately what Jesus is doing, and then what the steward and all of these players in this particular scene are doing. Yeah. Like, like the in, yeah. I, interpreting the, the, this will or purpose, like, like, cause the same thing that we learn in this moment is how we actually go through our lives. Like literally what, like how is Jesus present in all of these beautiful ways in these ordinary ways? Well, that's actually why we talk to each other as Catholics. Yes. That, like literally there is no other purpose for conversation than to have a prophetic moment, which is to interpret the will of God in all things. Yeah. And and in its delight and its sorrow and its in, but yeah, like yeah. literally that's what the savor of society of, of a savor of everything is. I mean, like these sour bread crawlers are great. They're not, I like them, but oh. you can eat a whole bag and mm. you end up looking like you oh, today. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you know, um another thing I was thinking about with this passage, Father Brady um had such again it, well, I don't, I don't know if it was that profound or not, but it really impacted me. It was over the summer. Okay. It was up at Camp Voitiwa. Yeah. I actually said to Annie, but I was there. And, um, you know, at Camp Voitiwa, we need, we have one night of the week of all of our different sessions where we have a confession night. So we bring in priests to hear kids' confessions. And this one day we had, you know, we had like 60 high school kids, all of whom wanted to go to confession. And we had like one priest there. And we're like, none of the priests have returned our calls. Like, what are we going to do? Namely, Father Brady, you're going to have a long night, Eddie. You're like, what do we do? And Father Brady had just had this great insight. He's like, well, think of the think of the story of the wedding feast at Cana. Mary doesn't, or the couple, but Mary especially doesn't go up to Jesus and explain the situation. Like, okay, here's the thing. Here's what I need. I need you to get this much wine because they're going to need this. All she does is simply just lay out the fact. She's like, Jesus, we have no wine. And he's like, I encourage you to use that as your prayer. Just be like, Jesus, we have no priests. And, and model what Mary said and trust that God is going to fill in the gaps. And I've actually used that since in my prayer of just wow, like, Jesus, I have no funding for this event we're going to do. Like, or, you know, Jesus, I can't do this. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? But just totally. literally laying it out. Jesus, I've got no wine. Yep. Jesus, I'm confused. And leaving it at that instead of trying to, dic- I don't know. For me, it, it was good for me. Because I'm the kind of person that wants to dictate and describe exactly what God needs to do to fix this situation yes, in my life. Totally. Which is usually wrong. Rather than just say, hey, I'm confused. I don't have what I need. 
and not even a help me. I mean, that, they implied help me, but I just love the simplicity of what Mary says. They've got no wine. Yeah. And I loved that. And it's it's been, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, I don't know what more I have to say about that, but it's been, it was really, uh, yeah, it was really profound for me to think of that. It changed my whole way of thinking about the prayer. And now when I meditate on that mystery, even when I pray my rosary, you know, I, I love doing that. I think I learned it from John Paul II back when I studied under him. No, but I, I, I read about it somewhere. Um, but when he'd pray the rosary, you know, whenever you came to Jesus in the Hail Mary prayer, you do a quick reflection on what Jesus is doing in that moment. He put it in uh, in his um, <coughs> document on the rosary. On the rosary, yeah, when yeah, the new it, mysteries came out. Called, yeah, it's yeah. called an interjection. Yeah, and so, I love it. So you do the Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, Jesus who transformed into heaven. Or Jesus. Wine into water. Yeah, and whenever I get to that... I mean, water into wine, just yeah. strike and that. Whenever I get to that one, my prayer is where I say, blesses the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who fills in the gaps, or who makes up for what's lacking. And that's what I think of in my life. Mm. There's all this stuff lacking in my life. That's what Jesus is there for, to make up what's not there. That's what he does. That's yeah. his job. And it's just, it changed my whole meditation on that you mystery. Know, yeah, you know what I'm going to start calling you? <laughs> the lacking one. My lackey. Uh, Come on. Okay. Some people, my brother got that one before you did. Isn't it cool, though, how concerned Jesus is with material things? Uh. It's not beyond him. I mean, we, we have this over-spiritualized mindset sometimes. We're like, well, what about the state of the married couple's soul? That's what Jesus really wants to get to. And is there a soul event? He's like, no, they need wine for their wedding. This and is good be wine. A, and they need good wine because they got married and that's important. And isn't it awesome that we have a God that cares about that? Yeah. Like you should have a big celebration. That's good. That's important to me, says Jesus. That's really cool that he actually cares about that. He wants us to have life and life to the full, right? John 10, 10. And, and, he, was, and he was an afterthought of, to, the, to, the, to the party. Jesus oh. <laughs> and his disciples were also invited. Yeah. yeah they, they were kind of second-tier guests. Mary was the, he was the and guest. <laughs> to Mary and guest. And Mary and, and guest. And she checked 12. <laughs> <laughs> well, 13, I guess. Yeah. Oh, boy. Boo-ha. That's why the Rhine ran short. <laughs> you get 13 There dudes. were 13 extra guests. So, you guys... I um, want to just in- encourage you in the gifts that the Lord is pouring out to look at them maybe in a little bit mo- more of an ordinary way and to look at the ordinary See, moments of your life and to allow Jesus to actually infuse them and empower them in, in this context of, of, you know, people, material, ideas. Like the Lord actually wants to espouse you and your land. He has espoused the whole world. He wants to delight. He delights already in you. And, and he wants... Yeah, he just he, opened your heart to it. And he wants to make your ordinary extraordinary. Ha ha. Now, I want to, I don't know if this is worth mentioning or not. We're not talking about like a health and wealth gospel. This is not the idea that God wants to bless you with all the stuff and he wants you to have a fabulous house and nice car and all these things. And that's will be the sign. I mean, there are certain well, branches of Christendom that, yeah. that say that's the sign that God loves well, that's you. That's the difference between that's interpreting n- will and purpose. Yes. Like, like this is the thing is that is that if if you're able to actually encounter Christ and His will and purpose in anything, you're the richest person in the universe. And right. If, and and if you say the only way that I'm blessed by God is some by cash, 
you know, and buy some cars, you know, then then you're going to miss the fact that there's divine and will and purpose in your bunion, in <laughs> uh, in uh, your your sore belly from eating so many things. In, in your bunion. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really rich because it's not just lip service. This isn't a metaphor for something. This is real. God is espousing himself in real tangible ways to us, to ideas, to the things around us, to the material world. And it's new. The way he does that is new every day. His mercies are new every day, right? One day he might multiply the wine. One day he might give you a tongue to speak to somebody in your life that you never thought you could speak to. (laughs) Another day... You know, he might do something else, give you a gift of faith and trust that you didn't have the day before. Yeah, or knowledge and understanding. <clears throat> yeah. So, pr- so pray for that. And ask God to show you the ways in which he wants to espouse himself to you today. And what that looks like today. And how it's different than what it was yesterday. And change your name to Thelma. Thelma! See you guys later. We'll be back next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.